I've already announced the uh, subject for the morning. Actually, it's the subject for the next several weeks. I'm trying to get out of the way here so all can see. We have a little PowerPoint to help us follow along on the various points. And we will be reading uh, from various portions. Get everything out of the way here. Marks of spiritual maturity. Um, I think it's underneath the, I don't have the, oh, you're, the clicker. Ah, here we go, okay. Yes. What we're going to look at this morning, no, no matter where you look in the Bible, when it comes to what believers in the Lord Jesus, uh, when it comes to anything to do with believers, there should be this advancement, there should be this growth, there should be this progress in the life of every child of God, just as it is in the physical level. Now what we want to do is we're going to, over the next few weeks, this just happens to be the first lesson, um, oh, and by the way, if you noticed in the bulletin, Keith Kaiser was scheduled for this morning. We want to apologize if you're let down that Malcolm Skelton is up here. Well, that's, I'm sorry about that, but we had to do a little flip-flop with the Hollywood folk down the road. We got our dates mixed up. So Brother Keith will be with us next week, and I believe he will uh, chime right in with this most important subject. But no matter where you look in the Word of God, there should be progress, there should be growth in the life of a believer. Just the same way in the spiritual realm, in the physical realm, right, there's, there's growth, there's progress. You can see that by looking around the room. You see, did you see little, eight, or little, big Aiden Gill this morning? He towered above all the boys and girls here. He's growing, right, physically. There's, there's progress in his growth. And you look about, look at the DP and, and, and so many others around here, uh, Michael uh, Van Ryan, they're growing up, right? And we see that kind of thing in the physical realm, right? But the same thing, right, should be true in the spiritual realm. Now, and there is some parallels between the two, right? In the physical realm, it's somewhat automatic, right? Now, I know that, that we, we're, that's counting that we have a normal diet and that kind of thing, and there's no health issues. But generally speaking, in the physical realm, it's somewhat automatic. We, uh, babies are, are born, they, they cry, they want food, they need to be taken out of the meeting, and all these kind of things, right? But, right, there's, there's progress, right, in a, in a, in a child, in a... In a uh, and, and a human being, right? So there, there's, uh, and, it's, and it's somewhat automatic. But in the spiritual realm, it's not so, right? Because look at how, in the Word of God, it is possible. Now this is a shame to say, but it is, it is possible for those that know the Lord to remain babies in Christ. Let that sink in for a minute. To me and to all of us, that it's possible to remain a baby. Now, we know automatically when it comes to the physical realm, if there's some issue where a child is not developing, we want to take immediately, and rightfully so, get him checked out, get her checked out. Why? What's happening here? But somehow, in the spiritual realm, it may be ignored. We're just blending in with the world. You know, I'm making everybody at the office happy. I'm listening to all their jokes. I'm... But there's no spiritual progress. There's no appetite for the Word of God. There's no growth in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So there is, in, in, in a sense, it's somewhat automatic in the physical realm, but not so in the spiritual realm. That requires effort, right? It, it requires effort. Also, physical, physically, 
it, it somewhat levels off, right? Most, many of us reach our adult height and other uh, 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 things when, when we're in our uh, junior high or high school years. It somewhat levels off. But spiritually, it should never level off, right? There should be a continual advancement, a growth in the grace and knowledge, growing under that perfect man we read in Ephesians, the Lord Jesus. So we want to, to uh, help in this subject this morning, but there's a dual purpose here. What we're going to do over the next few weeks is look at marks of spiritual maturity, but as seen in the qualifications for elders and deacons. They're there, not just for that matter of qualifications for elders and deacons, but to give us something to uh, have a mark, to have an aim for. Because, for instance, it says of those that should be elders are called or have the desire to be elders. Not a novice, not a new convert, Right? There should be some advancement. There should be some maturity. So what we're going to do, by the grace of God and with the help of the Spirit of God, is look at how you, how I, how all of us should be growing and what are these marks that we can aim at in our Christian walk before the Lord. So uh, with the help of some of our young brethren, we're going to be directing our readings uh, primarily to the ones that are up there. If you can read Titus 1 and Timothy 3. Uh, 1 Timothy 3. I think there's one more in 1 Peter 5. But uh, let's, uh, uh, our young brethren will come and read to us at this time. So <clears throat> we're going to start at 1 Timothy 3. And verse 1 through 7. This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop that must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, not one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as a devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. Verse 7, For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Continuing on in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-4. through 4. <clears throat> Therefore I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. 
Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Nor yet as lording over it those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Thank you, brethren, for that reading. Just let me state again, the, there's a dual purpose. Primarily, we want this morning to consider the marks of spiritual maturity as seen in these qualifications. But also, if we would call it a secondary purpose, is con to, uh, to encourage the brethren that are amongst us, especially the young brethren, to consider aspiring it says there in First uh, Timothy chapter 3, if any desire to do the office, to take on the office of an, of an elder, there is a, it, the, we understand the word as a deep desire. So we'd like to encourage that as well, because it, it's a, it's a uh, much needed work among the people of God to have those that are willing, like we heard this morning, that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Uh, to the elders that will serve amongst the people of God. It's a much needed aspect among God's people today. So we want to, again, twofold, encourage all of us to take stock, to take notice of what these marks of spiritual maturity are and go for them, aim for them. And we're going to just have a few opening comments here to try to uh, bring that out. Marks of spiritual maturity are goals and provide us with a target. All believers, now this is a, 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 a fundamental statement, all believers should grow and mature in the Lord. These qualifications that we read in these passages should be the goal of every believer, not just elders and deacons. A target we should all set our sights on. One of the uh, uh, things that is noticeable among Christendom today or among the Christian churches is we have what is called, commonly referred to as clergy and laity or the lay people that sit in the audience and their part is just to come and to sit and to listen and to go home. Because it's up to the preacher, it's up to clergy to, to have all of these qualifications. And me, why, I'm just a lay person. That is not what the Bible teaches. A target we should all set our sights on to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Marks of spiritual maturity. I don't remember who said this, maybe Zig Ziglar, I don't know. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And so... We remember what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, that I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, there was a target ahead for him. He looked forward to, to, be, to apprehend that for which he was apprehended. It's a, it's a, uh, a fundamental fact that we should be, as believers, growing in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be advancing, no stagnancy here. This one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and reach forth unto the things which are before Philippians chapter 3. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Paul realized as he wrote this by the Spirit of God that he was not only saved, but he was 
seized. Do you get that? He was seized to please the one who saved him. Get that. I am not just saved by grace to live in disgrace, right? I am saved by the grace of God, but I'm also seized by the good shepherd that gave his life for the sheep to grow in the grace and knowledge of him. Seized to please the one who saved him. Someone has once said that satisfaction is the grave of progress. In other words, if I think, well, I've leveled off. You know, I, I, I... I, I've, I've gotten to my spiritual high point, and there's no more room for growth. Now, what kind of an attitude of doubt? It's not a biblical attitude, not a spiritual attitude. Remember, in the physical realm, we can somewhat level off, right? Our height, our weight, and all of these things, development, humanly speaking, they may level off. But not so in the spiritual realm. There should be this continuous advancement. The path of the just is as the shining light, which shineth more and more unto the perfect day. There should be this continuous progress. Saved, not only saved, but seized by the one that brought us to himself, that we might grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is this aspect of pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I need help to advance this one. Okay, well, here we go. It would ask us, what are you aiming for in life? Now let's be practical here. We're all part of Adam's helpless race. Right? We, we sense our weakness, our insufficiency, our frailty. But I would ask you, as I'd ask my own self, what is it that you're aiming for in life? Is it to be the top builder in your construction crew? Be the greatest athlete on your football team? These are all good goals, I suppose, in their realm. But listen, we want to follow the word of God. And, oh, we want to aim at pleasing the Lord and growing. You remember some years ago we had our brother Alan Shetlick with us. And he pointed out to us in the beginning and the end of 1 Corinthians 9. This is what the Apostle Paul again write. Every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. There was this aiming, I run, I'm in it to win it, right? I'm in this Christian life. I want to aim at a goal. I want to follow in the steps of the Lord Jesus and grow in the grace and knowledge of him. I do not want to be stagnant. I want to grow. Now, the growth levels, of course, vary from individual to individual, but there should be a steady progress of growth in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we were competing in a race, if we were competing in, a, in whatever it may be in life, we want to give our very best, do all the training that we can to, to, to uh, be the top one, right? Well, somehow the spiritual realms, oftentimes life gets neglected, right? Because it's just not so important. I live in a world that, that, that is, uh, it's attractive to me because I'm human, right? But the Bible calls that being distracted. Th those that are called, uh, uh, Paul writes in, in uh, Timoth uh, uh, Philippians about 
uh, not being excuse me, First Timothy, not being entangled with the affairs of this life. So we need to take take notice. We want to have something to aim for and be like the Lord Jesus. Now, no one other than the Lord Jesus Himself, of course, ever hits the direct center of the bullseye. Uh, we, we read about in, in, in there's a we believe there's a reference in, in, in James chapter three to the Lord. You know, if any, if, if, we all offend in some way or another, but not the perfect man. He doesn't offend. The Lord Jesus. He's holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. He hits the bullseye because he is God manifest in the flesh. And he hits it every time. He is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, and then sometimes we might be tempted to say, well, that's too high a target. I'll never hit it. That's unattainable. Who could be like the Lord Jesus? Well, none of us, perhaps, in this life, none of us. But there should be this continuous progress. We were just reading a few, well, several weeks ago, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, there should be this attitude or this program going on, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And the fact that no one has been, ever been perfect besides the Lord Jesus does not relax the claim. And the fact that no one will ever be in this life does not weaken the obligation for us as children of God to grow in the grace and knowledge of Him. There should be a study, progress, in this advancement. Why should all believers set their aims at such qualifications? Not all of us are called to be elders, are we? But we're going to point out here, in the Word of God, most of the qualifications, if not all, should be found in every child of God. Let's look at them. Now, <clears throat> we only have a few that are named. I don't think we'll get to all of them. But for the next several weeks, we want to do what we can with these, the passages that we have read and look at them. And yes, on the one hand, they are requirements for those that would serve amongst the people of God, those that would shepherd the flock, those that would lead the flock. But yet they're qualities that should be found in all believers. We read in 1 Peter chapter 5, shepherd the flock of God. Peter, who was also an elder in 1 Peter chapter 5, the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, feed, in verse 2, chapter 5, verse 2, the word there is tend or pasture, pastor or shepherd the flock of God. When Paul called the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, that's what he said, feed the flock of God over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Now we say, well, wait a minute. See, I got you there. That's just for elders. Well, that very same word that's used in uh, 1 Peter 5 to, to feed or to shepherd the flock of God. This, this was astounding to me as we looked 
that studied for this, this, this past, the past few weeks. That very same word is found in Jude chapter 1. It's it describing a certain group of people, false teachers, but listen to what it says. Uh, uh, Describing them, these are spots in your feasts of love when they feast with you. Listen to this, feeding themselves without fear. That word is the same as shepherd that we read in First Peter five. Some of it, the translations would have serving only themselves, shepherding only themselves. It is possible in this life to go through it only having a shepherd of one. In other words only looking out for me, as if I'm the most important person in life. You heard the little ditty. I had a little tea party one afternoon at three. It was very small, three guests and all, just I, myself, and me. Myself ate up the cupcakes, and I ate up the tea, drank up the tea. It was also I that passed the pie, ate the pie, and passed the cake to me. Fun. Because everything revolves around me. And you know what? That's the way most, a lot of individuals, live their life. A shepherd of one. Did you notice this morning when we read about our Lord in Philippians chapter 2? This mind that was to be in us as believers that was also in Christ Jesus. It has to do with others. Thinking about others. The very verse before that says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We are to be more than a shepherd of one. Just walking around in life as if I'm the only person. The whole world revolves around me, right? Lord, I thank you, the Pharisee said, that I'm not like other men. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. I'm not like this publican. Well, we're to live for others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me live for others that I might live like thee. If we would follow the word of God, we would not be a shepherd of one. We would serve others. And that's what the word of God says. Not shepherding ourselves alone, but by love serve one another. Not just going through life serving ourselves, but by love. In Galatians chapter 5, you know it's possible. For believers to bite and devour one another. Can you imagine that? It's not just in the world's entertainment and all that that, that, that people pound each other and poke at each other and eat each other alive. It's possible amongst professing Christians to bite, to bite and devour one another. But there in that passage it says by love to serve one another. Do not just be a shepherd of one but to watch out and to serve others, starting in our family, starting in the assembly, wherever we start, to look out and serve others, to pastor others, to tend to others, to shepherd others, and to lead them along in their Christian experience. And so the first qualification or the first requirement that is to be, should be aimed at is to, to, to follow this example that every one that serves as an elder should have to tend, to feed, to pastor the flock of God. To watch out. You know, it's, it's, 
It's so encouraging to hear from time to time, and quite often here in this little gathering, where it's not just the elders that visit the sick and, 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 and that kind of thing. This uh, past week, we had a, a fine group of young people that went for three hours, and they sat in a hospital room, and they sang songs to our dear brother Bob, tears coming down his face. See, it's not just the elders that are to do that, right? To shepherd, to serve others, to watch out for others. Many of us here, we write cards, we make phone calls, we send text messages, we watch out for others. That should be the lifestyle of you and me, not just, well, the pastors do it, the elders do it, that's their job. Oh, let's get a committee, let's, let's hire a committee. And maybe they will, maybe they will serve, maybe well, they'll be a hospital committee. No, it's the exercise of the heart of the Holy Spirit of God that stirs us up and causes us to look out for others, that we follow in the steps of the Lord Jesus, the good shepherd that gave his life for the sheep. You see, that's the way it should be. Not shepherding ourselves alone, but to watch out for others and don't leave it up to this crew. You know, oh, the elders are falling down on the job. What are we going to do? Pray for more. We need more elders. Well, <laughs> let's have elderesses, right? I mean, serve those that serve, those that pastor. Elders and elders, you know, those that want to serve and follow that example of the chief shepherd that gave his life. Well, you say, well, I'm too busy. I got, I, you know, my work just keeps me so tied up, I have no time for eternal things. Well, I tell you, we got so much technology today, you can send a little text, you can send a little card, you can send a little email, you can, you can do all kinds of things on downtime. I don't just have to sit there at lunchtime and listen to the off-color jokes and all the gory complaints of my fellow employees. I can, I can just sneak off by myself and say, Oh, I remember dear sister Smith. She had this issue. And I'm going to send her a little note. I'm going to give her a call. I can do it, you know. These little phones here, they're, they're not just toys. I remember when I got this little phone, I was just against it because I thought all these things are just toys. You, I see everybody, the kids playing games and running their fingers. and No, but you want a tool that can be used for the honor and glory of God. And it can be. Not here to advertise phones, but you know, we want to use things. Technology could be used to reach the saints of God, to minister to the saints of God. We could shepherd one another and not our own selves. Able to teach and understand the Word of God. Listen to what the Word of God says. First Timothy 3, a bishop, an elder, by the way, an elder, an overseer, must be blameless, and so forth. And the last phrase says, apt or able to teach. And then if we read the companion passage in Titus chapter 1 and verse number 9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. You know, it might come as a stark surprise to many of us that it's not up to the elders or the preachers to know the Word of God only. All of us are called to do this very same thing. Perhaps not on the same level. But listen to what the Word of God says. This is very startling. Listen to what the Word of God says. Elders 
Shepherds are to be able to ably handle the word of God because there's all kind of false doctrine out there. And I'm going to tell you, it is very deceptive and very tricky. You know, people can come knocking at your door and tell you, I'm a Christian. I'm a part of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And you have to know what they're, where they're coming from, right? But you say, oh, they say, I'm a part of the church of Jesus Christ. You're my brother. No, they're not. They're on their way to hell because their Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible, right? So we want to know what the Word of God says. All of us. You know, what do you do when, when, uh, when the, the, uh, the, the fellas in the white shirts and the ties come at your door? You know, well, let's go call Pastor Aaron. Maybe he could come over here and help us and convict this gainsayer. No, all of us, right? We're called upon to know the Word of God. Now listen to this. In Hebrews chapter 5. When, this is talk, speaking to those in, in, in the Hebrews, saints in general. When for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. The first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. Is that what you want to stay at? Child of God? A baby? In your Christian experience? When for the time you ought to be a teacher? How long have you been saved? And how much growth has been in your experience? Are you able to handle the Word of God? Or are you just able to handle the remote? I can tell you what program is on. I can tell you what preacher is on TBN. They can handle it, but what about you? Where do I stand? Where do you stand? How do you handle the Word of God? When for the time you ought to be teachers. Second Timothy goes on about handling the word of God. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but able to teach. Now, we could go anywhere in the word of God. This, I think this will probably be our last, last point. But anywhere in the word of God <clears throat> to support this fact that you and I as disciples, as believers, as children of God should have an interest should just to, well let's let's just just use it naturally speaking if you have a, a a spouse a close family member there should be this communication there should be this interaction between one and another if there's not there's trouble am i right if there's no trouble if there's no communication there's no advancement in that relationship right but many of us as Professing Christians, there's little or no communication. I, there's no desire for the Word of God. I've got too many things on my schedule and it doesn't fit. It astounds me, I, these advertisements for the television, you know. You can tape five shows at once. How can you get to watch all of them if you can tape five shows at once? We want to... 
Why not read 10 chapters at once, right? Where's our time spent? It should be in the Word of God. We can go anywhere we want in the Word of God to find support for this passage, for this matter. But I just want to close with uh, uh, an exhortation in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is all about the Word of God. And the... You know, thy testimonies are my delights and my counselors. Where do you turn? Where do I turn when I need counsel? When I need support in my life? If I'm going through a trial that I know the Lord orchestrated, I, I, need, I, need, I need advice. I don't want to go, like we heard this morning, to the empty philosophy of the world or to the psychologist. Thy testimonies are my delight. The psalm writer later said, I have more understanding than all my teachers because thy word is my delight. Well, listen to what, that we can go a number of places, but this should be the portion of every child of God. All of us, not just the elders, but all of us should be in the book, day after day after day. In thy law, in the word, I will meditate day and night. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, we read in Joshua chapter 1, but shall be your meditation day and night. Make me to understand your precepts. That should be the desire of every one of us as children of God. And we can go all through this wonderful, wonderful Psalm 119, all 176 verses that get us uh, directed. Listen to what he says here in verse number 25. My soul, the writer of the Psalm, my soul clings unto the dust. Quicken me according to your word. I am naturally attracted to the dust. I am naturally, that's where I came from, right? I'm naturally attracted to temporal things that won't amount for anything in eternity. But he says, my soul clings to the dust, quicken me according to your word. Natural attraction requires a supernatural solution. And that's right here in the word of God. And we can go any verse here if we wanted to, but I just want to think as I close, <clears throat> The very last verse of this wonderful, wonderful psalm. After commending, after exalting, as it were, as it were, the word of God, he says in another psalm, Thou hast exalted thy word above all thy name. The word of God is so important to the believer, but he closes out this psalm. In the last verse, 176 verses, in the very last verse, he says this I have gone astray like a lost sheep seek your servant for I do not forget your commandments it's a bit of a startling conclusion to think after all that was said and done in that wonderful chapter of 109 the 119th chapter of Psalm exalting directing our attention to the Word of God he says this, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. My confession, I have gone astray. You know, it's not only before we're saved we're lost, but after we're saved we can be lost. Listen, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Do you know it's possible as a child of God to just wander in this world? Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world. There's so many things that are attractive to us in this world. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Quicken me according to your word. He, but he confesses here that I've gone astray like a lost sheep. After all of that exaltation of the word of God, he says, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. But even after conversion, we can go astray. There's too many things that attract us in this life. The cares of this world, the riches that are in it, 
are all so attractive that I get my sights, not on things above as we were hearing this morning, but on things below. All I can do, I walk around like this, looking to where I can gain a dollar, where I can gain a little, something that will satisfy me. What about me, 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 me? But that's not the way. We, we, we want to be, not just have this confession, but a profession. He says, I have gone astray like a, sheep, like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. I'm still a servant. Even though I may have gone astray, I'm still a servant of the Lord. If, you're, if you've gone astray and you, the, the word of God means very little to you, you'd rather see your TV guide than the word of God or whatever those things are out there that, that we find so attractive. Why, we can confess before the Lord, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. There's a profession there. But then there's a petition to seek. Seek your servant. And lastly, there's a, de a declaration. I do not forget your commandments. After all that he's said and done, that's what he comes up and says. The word of God should be so paramount, but sometimes I go astray. But I do not forget them. The highest flights of human devotion must end in confession of sin. I have gone astray. The sincerest profession of loyalty that he did in this chapter must give place to acknowledgement of helplessness. Seek your servant. And the loftiest declaration of the human love to God's law comes down to this humble declaration. I do not forget thy commandments or thy word. So there's many more we can look at. But I trust that this morning we're going to continue this tonight in the will of the Lord. But it will take root. You know, one of the things about coming to hear the word of God is that not, it's not just a which in most, in many church circles, it's more like entertainment. I come, I hear, I go home, but there's nothing practically applied in my own experience. May it not be so with you and I today. But may we not just hear the word of God, but do, right? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. May there be a change Send a revival. Start the work in me. Right? All of us have the privilege of responding to the word of God. Can you imagine what it will be like one day? To get to glory. And one of the prophets walks by. Who's that? Jeremiah. Who? I don't know. Jeremiah. Who is he? What did he write about? Right? Now I know that there's some obscure ones. But you know, every word of God is pure. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. You ever read the first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles? Adam, Seth, Enoch, Enosh, so forth. All it is is names. But there's something there. I guarantee you there's something there. To enrich our lives. To make us love the Lord Jesus Christ more. Who came from that very tribe of Judah. Which is so exalted in the first 
nine chapters of Chronicles. But every word of God is pure. Now how about you? And how about me? Is the word of God find place in my daily round of life? As we close, it's good just to take stock of what things do take place in my experience on a daily basis. And to set them up on a ledger and see what things are done only for time and what things are done for eternity. Apprehend that for which you were apprehended. Lay hold of the hope that is set before us. Oh. May it be so for his namesake. So tonight we're going to continue on in this subject of looking at the marks of spiritual maturity that should be found in every child of God. John writes to little children, young men, fathers, every child of God should be growing, growing, growing and have these marks of spiritual maturity in some measure or another. Let's close our meeting in prayer. Father, we're thankful <clears throat> for the valuable lessons that are in the Word of God. We're only here a short time. But, oh God, we have before us the eternal Word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, the Lord Jesus said, but my word shall never pass away. And may it be our portion today to not just be a hearer of this Word, but to be a doer, to lay hold on eternal life. We marvel at that statement. Yes, we have the gift of eternal life, but all of us call to lay hold on eternal life. May that be our portion today. And to take serious this matter of maturing or growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus, we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.